this week on the Superhero Hour Hour. Will Jesse save us from the apocalypse? Does Pennyworth merit a second season? Will the Fear the Walking Dead crew finally find their home? Find out on Home! Welcome to the Superhero Hour Hour. This is the only show on the internet, period. And it's also, because of that, the only one where we talk about every live-action television show that's based on a comic book or a comic book property. And you might be asking yourself, what do I mean by comic book property? You've never explained this on the show. We've never delved into what that means. I think, to me, it means it's not directly based on like the, the pages of one of those old pulpy, pulpy comic books. Now, I asked you last week, I Please, think, I have not introduced you yet i apologize here we go here we go come on come ryan on. thank you He's here i asked you last week if pennyworth was a comic book property and you said no it wasn't what when did what i say you that? said it was straight comic book because, no i've never said that oh then is it now a comic book property it's absolutely it was a comic book property then and it's a comic book property now well, you said one thing this week and you no, said so were you, you lying then or are you lying now no you just don't listen to me and then you make up things that you think that i've said i'm sorry what's a pennyworth it's uh, like a one cent, or, or half cent if you're in 1920s. That doesn't make any sense. I'm no. stupid. Mike's here. Inflation works a different way. Do you guys know why this is an incredibly special episode of the Superhero Hour Hour? No, Greg? Um, There's no Greg, which is always great. I'm going to get addicted to amphetamines. Yes, that's very special. You want to guess again? Uh, I will say uh, we're going to be something will be revealed about Taylor's testicles at some point. If I told you, what do you think happened five years ago this week? Um, we started Movie of the Year, Pop Filter's no. most popular podcast. No, we started this very podcast. The planes hit those down, <laughs> and as I crashed, we went, we gotta talk about. We will talk about the fact that we've been doing this for five years, but do, are you, speaking of numbers that are close to five, do, are you guys aware of what Tom Six, the director of Human Centipede, has been up to recently? No. His new movie released a teaser this week, and the movie is about uh, a group of wealthy L.A. women who meet up in a secret society to masturbate to images of 9-11. Wow, this, I mean, it's got to be hard to top yourself with a human centipede. That's, I, he specifically said, like, it's not going to be as crazy as human centipede, but I think it's in many ways darker. Did he say, look, I just have to make movies like this now because PC culture killed comedy, so I can't go back to what I used to <laughs> yeah, do. Yeah, Todd, Todd Phillips is an executive producer on that film, but that that is a very real film that... Uh, Todd, that Tom you will Six. Be seen for that, sure. I'm gonna have to see that movie. Do you think Martin Scorsese thinks that's cinema? Absolutely. Mar- that's Martin Scorsese's favorite film. You old fuck. It's the only thing that he cares about. But we've been doing this show for five years. Five years. And I say we in the collective sense. Yeah. I have not been doing it. For well, five we had years. to bring in that young blood at some point because yeah. we we're getting old and tired. In I, my memory, pre Taylor, the show was just me and Mike screaming about the OC. That seems accurate. Yeah. And so we just turned I've that been, into a tone show. I've been doing this for almost. Three years now. Uh-huh. So I don't. So more on than off. More on than off, which is weird. That is weird. It feels that's right, how, That's how I wear my clothes. More on than off. Yeah, back in the pre Taylor days, PT, uh, it was just us talking about Shield and Walking Dead for an hour each. <laughs> yeah, that's I, all there was. That's I. I remember even when I joined the show, it like when it bumped up to like there's seven shows this week. It was like. Whoa. Whoa. That's too many shows. Did uh, you ever think it would get this far? I think two months, maybe two months, and we're going to hit 11 per nope. episode. Nope. A regular segment we used to have was, there's not enough content for us to watch. Pitch us right now what should be comic. It's impossible to do. Every If you are a comic, even if you're not a published comic yet, you already have your- Fucking Stumptown is a show Stumptown. on ABC. It's pronounced Boomtown. Uh, Taylor, were you ever on a show where we covered like- uh, Batman 66 or Adventures of Superman. Like, we would go in the past in review That's, shows. I, I do not think that that ever made it to me. I think I joined right around the time where uh, it got just crazy enough that they were like, no, oh, there's there's a whole, there's enough to do. My first episode, actually, 
I think was the crossover, the first crossover yeah. that CW did. Whoa. With the aliens? Yeah. Invasion? Which, which made no fucking goddamn sense. Oh, yeah. Sense. He was like, what the hell is any of because, this? Because one of the episodes of the crossover was just... Arrow's 100th episode where they were like, what if we just did a recap of everything that's ever happened in Arrow? And I was like, I've never seen this show. What's going on? Does that mean that we celebrated the CW crossover with a podcast crossover of Superhero Hour Hour and Taylor Talking Taylor? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Look at, look at what happened. Look at us now. One of those did not make it. Every year we do that crossover again and people love it. Yep, it's, it's, a, good, it's a good time. And sometimes one of us will sit out and it, the, that show will be better for it. Mm-hmm. That that <laughs> that analogy tracks all the way through. Speaking of analogies, oh, because like, like, like Legends Tomorrow. We, yeah. All right. Speaking of things that track all the way through, we're talking about the Preacher series finale. Before we get to that, the part three of Fall Preview. Hey guys, just briefly interrupting here to lay down some very smooth commercials. If you were on the internet, which I am many times, go on over to yourpopfilter.com. That is your central hub for all the things we're doing. You can get our podcast and see what we are up to on that website. Taylor. Yes. Tell the folks about the Amazon.com. If you'd like to shop on Amazon.com, you should instead go to yourpopfilter.com slash Amazon. Buy all your things through there, and it helps us out a little bit with no extra work from you other than just going to that extra little bit at the front of the url that sounds like a dream ryan youtube yeah make sure that you're going to youtube if you like listening but it's you're, there's not enough for your eyes to do we totally understand go to youtube search for your pop filter and there's a lot of skitsies and bitsies on there that have visuals as well wow that sounds amazing social media you can find us on twitter.com at your pop filter or also now available on Instagram. Hey, hey, hey. At your pop filter. Check us out on the social media. Taylor, contact. If you want to contact us, you can contact us at contact at yourpopfilter.com. If you like the show and you want to tell us how much you love it, or if you hate the show and you want to tell us how much you hate it, send us that. Or if you want to call us on a phone, you can do that at 1 562 Dr. DJ Pop. Uh, that's one five six two DRDJPOP. He's a little robot associate, and he takes our messages for us. One of his hands is a spatula. His other hand is a spatula maker. <laughs> Hell yeah! So he's always got extra hands. <laughs> All right. Well, those are the commercials, guys. Let's get you right back to that show. Now we're here for the Super Series Shishi Bullpen. We're doing a little thing called Fall Preview. Spooky, it's October now. I love when you reveal your real voice. Hey, I don't have to put on the mask. <laughs> uh, so this this week we're doing a thing called Fall Preview, and that's where we did a couple of them last week. We're going over the things that are coming out, and we're going to talk about how we feel about the upcoming fall slate of comic book television shows. Ryan, what do we have in part three? The fourth season of Riverdale admits to the world that Fred Andrews is not on a permanent work trip, because he's dead. This means more Molly Ringwald and the introduction of two more 90s teen heartthrobs, Dylan McKay's longtime girlfriend, Shannon Doherty, and Dawson's Creek, (gasps) Kerr Smith. Also this season, Jughead is going to a prep school, Josie is moving to New York so we can have another fucking show to watch, and there will be a renewed focus on the core four. Taste buds, are we pumped or are we bummed? The the last moment, the last sentence of that that you said. Core four? Me, the core the four core has four. me very excited. That was the thing that dragged season three down. Is it they, was four seasons, like four plot lines, and yeah. they, like, they would hang out two minutes per episode. And the Archie plot line was fucking insane, even by Riverdale standards. Like, he got killed by a bear for no reason. He developed alcoholism and, like, a fighting problem. <laughs> I'm addicted to booze and fighting. You know, most alcoholics also have that fighting problem. <laughs> yeah, thing. that's not rare. At least in my family. Yeah. Kerr Smith, out of all the Dawson's Creek alum, that's who we're supposed to get excited about? Well, James Vanderbeek is probably too big at this point. He's making. He's still on his comeback tour. Michelle Williams is a goddamn yeah, a American treasure. Yeah. Katie Holmes is worth way too much money. You could get Pacey. Joshua Jackson. He's yeah. on The Affair. Okay. Uh, and then Kerr Smith had a sister. I don't remember. It was Michelle show. Williams. It was? Yeah. No. No? No? 
Kurt Smith and his sister moved in to the creek. It's Michelle Williams. Lived underwater. I've never yeah. seen. It was not I've Michelle Williams. I've never seen Dawson's Creek. I have no idea who these people are. Five dollar bet. Five dollar bet. Kay. Taylor, witness. Sure. Do I you witness? I don't witness me. I don't know what's happening. Uh, Dawson's Creek. I think I saw one episode where someone died in a car accident. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a fun show. Yeah, and that's the oh, my only frame of reference for what Dawson's Creek is as a show is people die in accidents. So yes. it seems like perfect fit for Riverdale. What about Shannon Doherty coming back or starting back? Of of course, she the starting back. Because, yeah, because I remember who Shannon Doherty is as well. I got to say, I watched of course every episode of the BH nine hundred two and zero Meta Meta re- reboot on Fox, and she was better on this show than she was on the original Beverly Hills. Yeah, she's had twenty five years to learn how to act. Yeah. Today. I, I hope I, she's not getting worse. I am excited that they are going to actually... I mean, not excited, but I, it's good that they are finally going to address the fact that Fred Andrews just kind of disappeared for a while. Yeah. He was like, hey, I'm going to go take the truck out for groceries, and then he just never <laughs> came back. What a deadbeat. I don't know if local construction companies take extended work trips. I don't know if that's a thing they do, but... Yeah, he's like, oh, I've got to go check on the supply chain over in <laughs> Canada for a while. Oh, sh- hold on, guys. I'm getting something from the board. Uh, it says Jack McPhee, played by Kurt Smith's sister on the show, is Andy McPhee, played by Meredith Monroe, not Michelle Williams. No, I think that's what I said. Five dollars, please. All right. I still don't know what's going on. I love it. It's good. <laughs> I'm very excited for Riverdale season four. Thanks to being on HBO, being created by Damon Lindelof and starring Regina King, Watchmen has been dubbed Superhero Leftovers. The show takes place 34 years after the comic book in a 2019 that has no smartphones or internet. A couple of trailers have been released. Taste buds, are we on the dawn of the greatest superhero show of all time? I did not know it was a... I've not kept up with any news about this. I did not know it was 34 years after the original and taking place in 2019. We have seen, uh, in the previews, we've seen a band of Rorschachs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also Jeremy Irons plays Old Man Ozymandias. Ooh. Old Man Ozzy. But He's just like, Sharon! It's supposed to not really... It's supposed to like loosely take into consideration the comic book in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm sorry, the graphic novel. Yes, I, I re- am a sucker for anything that has just alternate history, present day or future. So the fact that they have this weird 2019 that doesn't have cell phones, it, I'm very into. That's interesting, and also the only way to write a story these days. Yeah, yeah. you need to lose those two things. And this, at least you. It's weird if it's just a soap opera that doesn't have those things because it's just not riveting to watch a bunch of people text and cyberbully each other. But now they're like, no, because that big alien starfish thing happened. There's no internet. Yeah, that, I, that's the, one of my favorite things has always been about the Fallout universe of video games. Is they were like, yeah, this is the world where like 2076, they just never invented semiconductors, so everything's still like old tube TVs. <laughs> like that's still like a fun way to do things where they have some advancements but not others. Is that like the Bioshock series where they never invented adult singers, so it's just creepy children singing everywhere? Yep, that is exactly what it is. I, like, I'm so pumped, and one, uh, I got to The Leftovers late. I just finished it recently, but it was spectacular. And the best thing about it was I never knew what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, guys, I'll, I'll be the one to tell you two, it gets hard to talk about The Flash week in, week out. It gets hard to talk about shows where you could read the description, close your eyes, and you basically saw it. Right, yeah. And with this show... Having no idea how it's going to do or what it's going to do, like I'm so excited. That's the the thing that has me a little on the fence is that, as far as I know, this is not directly based on like a comic book run. Like they haven't redone this, right? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, like this is a sequel to the comic, basically. Yeah, but like this is not ba- like they didn't do a sequel comic book. No, they that, did prequels that nobody read. Right. That that's what that's what I'm saying. So this is a comic book property. This is a comic this book property. Comic book and book as far property. as comic book properties go, we've had Legion, which is very good, but you can also end up with Fear the Walking Dead. Pennyworth is not based on a comic book run. Right. Therefore, that, it's a comic book property. Buddy. This I, is yes. what I'm telling you. Uh, that's what I've been telling you the but, whole goddamn time. I do think, like, we got Lindy Hop in the director's chair, like, controlling right. it all, and he never knows what he's going to do. And sometimes that's trash, and sometimes it's awesome, but at least there's going to be something to talk about. There's a thing about The Leftovers, too, where the first season was wonky and good at times, but pales in comparison to the second and third seasons, which uh, didn't have the book anymore. So mm-hmm. the first season was based on the book, mm-hmm. and then he got to do whatever he wants. And here, he has that same thing. The comic book and the movie already exist. I'm starting post-book. 
And so he's not tied down to that like storyline. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm stoked for him. Yeah, we'll see. It has a hefty weight behind it because people love Watchmen. But less so now. Yeah, that's yeah, true. It's been stepped on. Yeah. That's all we need. Crush it a little so right. you're mad and then you It's later. weird because I actually really liked the Watchmen movie. Oh. It had I, great credits. Yeah, it did have great credits. I'm interested to see that uh, he says it has no real political commentary now, which one spits in what? the face of old Watchmen and just the times we live in. Yeah, that okay. It's bullshit. Yeah. He's fucking lying. Yeah, he's lying so people will watch it. Yeah. Like all third years about teenagers, Runaway Season 3 is where shit gets dark. The Runaways will try to get back together again before they are attacked by Morgan Le Fay, yes. played by Elizabeth Hurley. Yes. Taste Buds is Hurley and or Le Fay exactly what Runaways needs. I'm imagining Hurley a la Bedazzled era. Just doing that to a bunch of teenagers now. I'm excited as hell. Like you imagined about yourself when you watched Bedazzle? Yes. I I don't think that there's much that can get me super jazzed to watch Runaways. It's got a, a high floor, low ceiling. Mm-hmm. Yes. It, it is always like right right in the middle. And it, like I, I don't see anything that can push it quite as far beyond that. Like this is a show where like Legends of Tomorrow... They can just sort of do whatever. Like the stakes were so low, they could just kind of they could have that ascent. And I, I don't get this wrong. When can. did Legends switch? Was it third season, second season, middle of the second? Do you guys second remember? I think season. it was. Yeah, it was. It was, mid, it was like two thirds of the way through second season when Martin Stein bravely hopped on a yes. NASA control. It, 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 it was. Singing, it was. The, it was the <laughs> Apollo episode of Legends that fully switched it. Then I think that if we are done with two seasons two seasons in the books, it's probably unlikely that we'll get the changes that we want. Right. I, I think if the changes were going to happen, they would have happened before. Mm-hmm. But because they release all of these usually in bulk, like they put them all together, maybe they didn't have time to like adjust to mm-hmm. audience participation. And so maybe the third season will take into account stuff that people wanted. We have no history of that ever happening. But somebody it has to be the first at some point. This Maybe. time. A cool thing is that they're finally, like, before they try to deal with Nico's magic saying it's super tech we didn't understand, and with Morgan Le Fay, they're like, no, no, it's magic. Ignore it. Like, Marvel's so weirdly afraid of magic. And now they're like, nope, it's real ass spells. She used to fight Merlin. Deal with it. Yeah. Yeah, she's in, like, old school literature, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, pretty much anytime you bring in Morgan Le Fay, I'm like, I'm sold. She was she was an old lady who fought Merlin. It's great. <laughs> I love that part of Marvel. That uh, I mean, like Thor, uh, Hercules, mm-hmm. Dracula, and Morgan Le Fay are all just characters with Spider Man and Iron Man. Yeah, they're just like whatever. Who cares? We got to it first. Fuck you. <laughs> they're ours now. Well, that is it for fall preview part three. Now we're gonna move on to the fall end view. Of preacher now flawless. In the series finale of Preacher, Jesse, Tulip, and Cassidy fight various minions and each other to stop God's coming apocalypse via Humperdue's dance. Then there's a two-year time jump where we see what Tulip and Jesse and their kid are up to post-God hunt. Then there's a 40-year jump to check in on Cass. Taste Buds, I ask you this. Was this an emotionally satisfying ending to our four-year journey, or did it feel like they finished 20 minutes in and followed up with a string of post-credit scenes? Good question. Uh, I like not to be flippant. I it was emotionally satisfying in that it's over and I'm glad. Like I don't want to think or worry about the show anymore. Yeah, but I was not like I never got chills. I never no. was like on the verge of tears. No. It's I hit a point about thirty minutes into this episode after they had sort of averted the apocalypse where I got very angry at the show. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is a fucking bullshit ending. If this is how it ends, and then. The very last bit saved it for me. Like that, I was like, okay, this was a good last 
scene to go out on. Yeah, I, I think there were two scenes in the post credits part that were I, Jesse and God talking outside the trailer worked more than any Jesse and God interaction had before that. Yeah, uh, it, like getting pissed and thinking Jesse's going to be forgiving and then having him beat the shit out of God, like all of that really worked for me. And then I think they ended with even the show that she was no longer Tulip, ending with Joseph Gilgan and Ruth Nega as Tulip's daughter. Showed that the show finally figured out who everybody actually cared about. Right. And it's these two together are great to watch. I, it's sort of, I, some of the emotion was taken away from me because I didn't understand what was going uh-huh. on until like the scene was almost <laughs> over. I was like, damn, like Tulip lived so much longer than I thought she would. And she looks great. She <laughs> looks great for an old lady. And then finally, and I didn't know who like they were talking about. Like, wait, Cassidy has met. Tulip's parents, and then it finally hit me. Yeah, <laughs> and I can admit that I'm man enough to admit that. You're dumb. That. You're a dummy. But yeah, I think that that those last scenes really were what I wanted from the episode. The rest of the episode just fucking scrap it, which makes me think like the rest of the season scrap it. Which means the rest of the show. Yeah, like it, it really it it brought into relief the things that preacher could do well but also all of the things that preacher just dropped the ball on i think that we should feel lucky as weird of a word that is to use when you're forced to watch tv um that we got the god and jesse conversation Uh uh-huh yes and then i liked how jesse fought him not because he was sworn to and not because he was an evil god but he just continued to be a fucking needy asshole and that's what pushed jesse over the edge okay i said i love you now say it back Yes. Say it back. That was... Excuse me? The, the one thing that I had issue with in that scene was it felt like... I know that they did a two-year time jump, but it felt like God, his entire personality was just entirely different mm. in that scene from everything else in the series. But I did, like, the very end when he started, it was like, let's just say you love me. <laughs> like, it sort of showed that, like... There was the, that little bit of, like, he's putting on a face to try and get this away. Right. There's also because the conversation... And I promised that I would do this less. Not never again. And I have been doing this less. You guys have to admit. I don't have to admit that because... But this is a 2019 version of Preacher. And it's hard not to look at God and Trump as basically the same person. Mm-hmm. And like they, this God is not Garth Ennis's from the comic book God. Who actually didn't have a lot of screen time in the right. comic book. But this is Trump with a beard. Yeah, it's very, very blustery until the minute you don't need to be blustery. And then you're whimpering fucking... Ugh. Yeah. What the fuck were those things that he had created in the trailer? I love that we never saw it. He decided, he tried dinosaurs, he tried humans. Here's the thing that will, no matter what, say I love you back. And I do yeah. think it's a lesson is you don't want to have that. He, no. you don't. You do want free will because you're going to hate and apparently kill a thing that says I love you no matter what you do. And respect is earned, not demanded. Right. And he could never like figure that out in his uh, youthful age of eternity. Uh-huh. Because you are what you are at your core. And that do you buy in that conversation? Jesse says uh, he thinks for the most part humanity is a goddamn miracle. Does that journey line up with like the kind of nihilistic view Jesse's had most of the show? I think so. I might be fudging some of the numbers here, but I think that uh, Jesse made that journey most of the way, and then looking at God helped him. You ever like see someone that's so awful that it sort of like changes your disposition because you don't want to be like that. Right. I think that was sort of what happened. And I think they've done a good job, as good as they can, over this season of showing, like, Jesse's acceptance of human beings are just doing human being stuff, and even if you try to control them into stuff, it doesn't work. I mean, Tulip and Cass told him that they had fucked while he was gone, and then after they said that, they both, like, were ready to go, and uh, Jesse was like, I get it. You know, I I, I lost an eye. Shit happens. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, that stuff is worked for me, and I think that that led up to when he releases Genesis, Uh like that I bought. That was a good moment. Uh, That was great. Stupid. Yeah. Because God's still right there and pissed. Yeah, he's God. But when Jesse says like, oh, I don't need this shit, and lets Genesis go, uh, vis-a-vis, or Allah, Aladdin uh, lets the genie go, um, that's how God knows he's defeated. Right. Is because it's not who's the most powerful, but like who has the most confidence in who will earn respect, not demand respect. Yeah. And Jesse had an ace in the hole already with the saint up in heaven ready yeah. to kill God. That was Which, dope. <laughs> that, that, that was a good scene. I, I, I weirdly was very excited for the saint of killers to like get his like happy ending. And then took the throne, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's God yeah. now. There's, 
unsettling repercussions for what's about to happen if that guy's king of heaven. But wouldn't you just have like a... I mean, the Saint of Killers is, I guess, an anti-hero, but he's got a moral code. He mm-hmm. understands bad from good. Yeah. He's not necessarily villainous. He's closer to like the alien from Alien. I don't know. He's I think- just like an... Uh- a beast moving through the world. Yeah, and I yeah. sort of think that is a better god than the one that Preacher depicted. Yeah, the very selfish, needy thing. Yeah, that's a, that's like a very old school, ancient idea of gods. Where it's just like he's just a force of nature. Which, <laughs> think about that new school god. Like that's what he had to live up to. It's almost impossible to suck. Yeah, and yeah. he still failed. He was still worse than Old Testament god. Uh, how did you guys feel about Cass's uh, walking into the sun moment? I, I liked Cass's arc for this episode, and I guess for the show, I really liked, because starting when he is now Team Humperdoo and Team Apocalypse, because he's so upset, yeah. and then Tulip is like, yeah, I get you love me, and I don't love you the same way, but you want to destroy the world because of that? I think that's a message a lot of dudes these days, or all days, could handle. Uh, and then him being like, I've done everything I need to do. Like He's realized he's done everything and will only do boring debauchery if he keeps living. Yeah. Fuck it. And Tulip says... but. Baby Tulip, the daughter, says before Cassidy walks away, like, I hope to see you again soon. And then this is the most effective moment of the episode. He says, God, I hope so. And then walks into the fire, hoping that they'll meet again in heaven because yeah. he yeah. got to go to heaven. That's Crossing fingers when I walk out into the sun. And that shot was a more artistic, like, clever shot than preacher usually would yeah. give us where he just walks off into the background they do not adjust the focus and he's just out of focus slowly burning and walking away looking like that uh wish you were here cover yes, exactly. for Pink Floyd. <laughs> he should have found a businessman to shake hands with yeah. and yeah, while tulip in the foreground is just like what is that smell god <laughs> damn it i don't want to turn around but something smells <laughs> terrible a graveyard barbecue i think the show realized slower than the audience but finally did that uh cassidy and joseph gilgan is the reason for watching mm-hmm. yeah and I think that him shooting Hump was a big moment. That's not my issue. My issue is not earning that moment or like believing that it was hard for him to shoot. It's leading up to this point why Cassidy would throw away everything to protect this person. Right. That part was right. not earned. We were just told that. But right. then everything after that was pretty good. Yeah. And I do buy when he killed him. He's like, he was the best person I ever met. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> that, I buy that because Humper D was a, a beautiful soul. But that's what it takes to be good. Only good with with no evil thoughts is to be like severely mentally challenged. Right. Yeah. And, and that stuff, that preacher did okay. They could have done a little bit better with that stuff. But overall, how do you guys feel about the end of preacher? I, I liked this episode more than I've liked so many over the last couple of years. I, I think they handled it. I, I think yeah. one, it's impossible to end a show good. The clip show thing fucked like bummed me out a little. But I was like, oh. There's like three shows that have end, ever ended well. Yeah. So this is fine. I It's hard for me to watch this show or really any point in this entire season and not like be disappointed, but also thankful that it was ultimately to me just the training wheels for boys. Uh-huh. For yeah. the boys. And uh, all of the stuff that bothered me about Preacher, which was mainly like really not understanding story structure and pacing, and then also shock for shock sake has all been fixed in yeah. The Boys. And it's, so I'm glad it existed for that reason. Yeah, it, it was their ability to get that out, and now we have The Boys. And yeah, The Boys is a better show in pretty much every way. Yeah. Yeah. Preacher, you, you, did, you did what you came to do, and we won't watch you anymore. Yeah, nobody's going to go back and rewatch this. No. How it, long until a new show or movie? Like... Hey, let's try adapting Preacher again. No, I think never again. Never, ever. Never, I, ever. I think, this was, I think this was probably the one shot that it was ever going to get. And they did it well enough. Yeah, it wasn't so bad that right. somebody would want to go back and fix it. No one's making petitions to rewrite the last season of this show. So it's uh, this is what we have. Nobody wants the Snyder cut of no. the Preacher series? <laughs> All right, well, Preacher, so long, little buddy. Walk off into that beautiful sunset. We'll see you around. Now we're going to move on to a little thing called Talking About Joker. Todd Phillips' Joker opened this week to pretty good reviews, although less ecstatic than the standing ovation it has gotten at film festivals, and a lot of controversy, as some critics have said it's bad for young men to see it, and young men responding with, Fuck you, I'll kill you! The film tells the story of Arthur Fleck, a part-time clown with a full-time, possibly diagnosed laughing disorder. Eventually, 
Arthur loses all of his shit, starting a killer clown movement, and eventually getting on the talk show of his dreams. Taste Buds, I ask you this. Is it possible to talk or think about this movie without discussing the concerns of incels, incel haters, along with stupid directors and their stupid contents? I think if for some reason somebody unearthed this movie in 10 years, long after we've all forgotten it existed, then yes. It feels really difficult to think and talk about it right now, completely divorced from everything that's outside. Honestly, do you know what would be the easiest is um, let's let's have a 10-minute Joker review right now. Uh-huh. Let's talk about all that stuff for five minutes. Then now we're past it, and then just cut that five minutes out. I feel like that's the only way we'd only be way able to, to do it. it. Do you think? Do you think that it really did? Uh, what's the opposite of vilify? Lionize him. There, there are moments that I was like, oh, he was sympathetic, and then once he kills his mom, it feels hard to root for that mood, mood moment, uh-huh. and then anything past that, you're like, oh no, he's the villain. I, I mean, I was not rooting for him at any point. And uh, when the movie asked for me to have pity, that was where it got complicated. Mm-hmm. I don't have to root for the person. No, those are different things. Right. Um, I, like, I rarely root for anyone in anything I watch. Except for yourself. Because I root for myself, <laughs> and I don't have room for other people. But I do like finding other characters compelling. And uh, he was, this character was at times, but more often than not, it felt like, uh, please give this person pity. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, incel stuff aside, I know how this ends. Right. I know he becomes... Joker. Yeah, that's really interesting is that at no point does the lack of surprise change everything. We know what he will end up being. So how interesting can that journey be? And ultimately, that's the biggest problem. And it's like expectations or predictions is not something that I like reviewing movies about. But when we were talking about The Flash in the TV preview a couple Mm -hmm. segments ago, talking about how how often you could just read the description, close your eyes and just say you saw it. Right. And no one's going to catch you on it. That's what happened with this movie. Right. Especially I, if you've seen a trailer. Yeah. You really get it all. That's I, I have never heard anyone who has seen the movie tell me anything about the movie that I didn't think, yeah, I expected that from the trailer. Like, I know how this ends, and I know the bits of it, so like I can put it together. There's one twisty sort of thing that is it a twist or is it not. Taylor, spoiler alert. Are you ready? And yes. audience, spoiler and alert. And audience, yeah, spoiler alert. Don't listen to this fucking segment if you haven't seen it. He, has, uh, he is told by his mother that he is, uh, that Thomas Wayne is his father. That she and Thomas Wayne had an affair, and so that would make him Bruce Wayne, who's the future Batman. Spoiler. <gasps> oh. uh, they would be half-brothers. And then it says that maybe that's not the case, and then it says maybe that is the case. But that's not what I'm talking about as far as like um, bring new stuff to me. I'm talking about filmmaking decisions, mm-hmm. not stupid little comic book like twists. Right. Yeah. And that was not there. Well, as a filmmaker, can you, if you're trying to so hard ape and mimic Scorsese, can you do a new thing with that? You can see a Tarantino movie and think that you can do that too, but yeah. there's really like there's this guy who has elevated this thing into uh-huh. art. And when you are not Quentin Tarantino, when you're just you watch Scorsese movies and you watch Tarantino movies, and then you do the math and mm-hmm. think that you can do that to this, um, but y- you didn't think of it, then it just comes up as like I don't really have that much talent of my own. Right. I I, I was most surprised by one. I think visually it is a really attractive movie which I think just means Todd Phillips got a good cinematographer. Uh, they're just gorgeous shots throughout, but with so fucking empty. But see, I didn't think that either. Like, I was never, like, bowled over by anything I really saw other than, um, like, this, this attempt to, like, mix the comic book, the typical comic book shot with grit mm-hmm. or, like, Scorsese New York 70s or mix the Scorsese shot with comic book. But it right. still all seemed inorganic to me okay it, ne- it never both i like i try to like sound off if i didn't know what was on i don't hate staring at this thing mm-hmm. uh and joaquin phoenix is a weird contortionist and that's interesting to watch so d- like does joaquin phoenix live up to the hype that has been garnered around his performance it's a good performance but still no the hype is insane yeah like, do you think that he's going to get nominated for an Oscar or even in the neighborhood for this? I He, he might be in the neighborhood, but I bet there'll be, like, five. And this is a big year. Like, there's yeah. so many already, like, contenders. Um, I think that he'll be, like, in the six through ten mm-hmm. and maybe not get there. And I think the controversy hurts. Um, but while I was watching the movie, he is my favorite actor working today. Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis retired, and I think that I was more of a walking head even when Daniel Day-Lewis was around. You you really were into uh, I'm Still Here? No, I was not, Taylor. Okay? Everybody makes mistakes. 
Like me asking you to be on this show. How dare you ask He's me that He's a science question. boy. That's what really sold him. Actually, I've been doing an I'm still here for the whole time I've been on the show. Did you guys know that? Um, but watching the movie, it, I was never like taken away from the fact that it was Walking, or I was rarely taken away from mm-hmm. the fact that this is Walking Phoenix. Right. So many scenes felt like acting. And the other thing I kept thinking was, who do you think is the best actor in the MCU? Like, not great at being in the MCU, like Chris Evans, but just the best actor who is also in the MCU. Michael B. Jordan? Okay. Uh, I think Brie Larson. Brie Larson. Yeah. There's this sense of, like, I'm sort of bummed now that Brie Larson's going to be in four Captain Marvel movies and two Avengers movies because that we're not getting other Brie Larson performances. Uh-huh. Okay? I don't have that with Brie Larson, but I could see, Taylor, how you could have that. Yeah. Walking Phoenix, as, the, as Joker, is sort of so on the nose that I wish that... Walking Phoenix should be playing me and like this normal stupid idiot and then he brings a lot of crazy to it. Right. Now we have crazy on crazy and I wish that it was just somebody else and we could go watch him be in like Manchester on the sea or whatever uh-huh. and see what he does with that. Why is this is the f- sixth time in the past 2 days someone has brought up Manchester by the fucking sea. Get on the Manchester train, bro. No, I will not. It's just tuna. It's just tuna. That's the big reveal. Spoilers for Manchester on the sea. He was tuna the whole time. I yeah no no weird walking decisions. Anytime he tries to be a normal person, it is fascinating because he's a weirdo himself and can't. And then anytime he's like the master is a guy struggling to be normal, right? But Arthur Fleck is never struggling to be normal, right? And his transition from Arthur Fleck to Joker, there's a, st- a step missing. And I guess I can only blame Joaquin and probably Todd Phillips, but it's he goes from this like very mealy mouthed sad guy who can't fit in. To a super swanky, angry guy, but the movie's just like this is in a normal movie. This is when this would happen, right? But there was no why does this happen now? And then there's like on the flip side, defending Joaquin. I don't think there's a better actor in the world or an actor in the world who would be better at um, genuine laughing, but it's also painful, uh-huh. and we can't tell if you're crying or like we know that this is not of your own volition. Yeah. And that was awesome, except for the fact that Todd Phillips went to that well so often so that it diluted often. the power of watching him do that. The most powerful one, or one of the most powerful ones, was when he was at a comedy show watching and didn't know when to laugh, which shows, I, I think this is very real, a lot of people who love comedy don't get the formula. So he just laughs when the guy stops talking for a second, and that was emotionally affecting and chilling, but then is ruined by any time he turns any corner, he does ha <laughs> That was the perfect impression of one of those Halloween things that like are have that motion sensor. Yep. That go <laughs> <You're off. right>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my jaw even moved like it. Yeah. Nothing else. You moves. really you became a different object in that moment. Thank you. I just I'm Thank concerned. I overall I think the movie is average at best, and I think that I could land even lower than that mm-hmm. with more thought. Um, and I think the problem here is that DC keeps going to these jock bro right. douche directors. While Marvel is getting the people who directed Half Nelson and the writer a real movie, uh-huh. um, and I think that's what's going to pass is like we're losing that whole sort of like empathy or concern about the human condition in the DC movies. It, it, it feels like it should have come out 15 years ago. It feels like a pre MCU movie, not even new DC. Like this is, I I truly think this will be the most forgotten comic book movie of this era. Yeah, well, I, I think it will be only remembered for the controversy. Right. right? Like, no one will actually remember aspects of the movie. Mm-hmm. People will just remember the press cycle that happened around it because that's the only thing anyone is talking about. The public perception of this is not the movie itself. No. It's just, this is a movie for incels. Why did you make this? It was one of the few movies that I've ever seen. And I know you guys do not give a shit about what I'm about to say, but I think it's interesting. It's one of the few movies I've ever seen to earn... Uh, certified fresh status on Rotten Tomatoes and then lose it because more reviews came uh-huh. in. Yeah. It, it, that's, it, the more people watch it and review it, the worse the outlook for this movie gets. And I think that is a a solid representation of like... I, I think it's a movie that when it premiered in the festival circuit, people were like, we really want this to be meaningful and good. <laughs> and they were like, well, yeah, this dude directed The Hangover, but look what Adam McKay did. Right. So yeah. this is like this is his turn. I mean, this dude directed The Hangover, but he also directed The Hangover Part 3. So the problem with... We all forget the, Part 2. <laughs> losing the fresh status could mean one of two things. Either uh, more qualified film critics came in 
like their reviews came in and lowered it, or the people who have recently started to review it did have their arms crossed because of the controversy right. and hated it because of that. And that I don't like. Yeah, that's bullshit. Hate it because yeah. it's not a good or interesting film. Don't hate it because of anything outside of that. I mean, ultimately, man, like the amount that I was bored is my biggest reason for the two and a half star yeah. rating. It, and, and that's it wasn't even interesting enough to be super bad. Uh, the movie Super, Superbad is super, great. Superbad super made interesting choices. McLovin as the Joker Boy, would be insane. I have to say, Superbad doesn't hold up great. No, I heard they use that f word, like the yep. homophobe f word, a lot. Yeah, and... they use yeah they use that a lot. It doesn't hold up great, but still, for the time, great movie. I would rather do an, a movie of the year Superbad than a movie of the year Joker. I think there's more Absolutely. to dig into. Oh yeah, no. We're done with Joker. We did ten minutes and we're done yeah. forever. Yeah, no. Also, the biggest waste of Zazzy beats th- that has ever been. It's bullshit. Oh, Zazzy. Beats all by right. Zazz. Well, that is all the time that we have to discuss Joker. Now we're gonna move on to a little something called the pull list. Now we're here in the pull list. This is part of the show where we talk about every other show that we watched this week. Kicking it off first is Stumptown. On this week's episode of Stumptown. Sorry. Stumptown. 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 We get to see how Robin Trabotsky met Nick Miller. And they did fuck. And then decide to be friends because he's the only person Maria Hill can trust. <laughs> Meanwhile, in present day, Dex get, helps a Duplass brother find a girl. And then also teaches him about getting duped plus by con artists. Taste buds, I ask you this. Did Stumptown make the leap from Overloaded Pilot to show that's on TV? It is a show that's on TV. It's a yes, show that's on TV. true. Uh, and Sometimes it put, on ABC every Wednesday. It's so many recognizable faces. Shoshana was yep, the Shoshana. girl. She was one of the co- uh, I enjoyed watching these charismatic actors I recognize from other things. Uh, yeah, this now feels like a chugging along ABC show. I guess there's still backstory, so that seems pilot yeah. That's I do appreciate that the backstory that they gave is that Nick Miller has my effect of meeting up with girls and then just being friends with them platonically forever. Well, After you fuck? He had sex, though, yeah. with her. Yeah. That, That's I, the Taylor move. Yeah, that also happens to me sometimes. Dude, I should pick up that move. It's Listen, it's not that great. I'm sick of not having fucked most of my friends. I've never fucked either of you, and I'm, I hate it. What are you doing later? <laughs> It's too late. We've been friends for too long. I think that this is pitch perfect, like exactly. And I'm not saying this was an A plus episode, but this is exactly what you should do in your second episode. Take a piece of what we learned in the pilot uh-huh. and now get into it. And now we slowly explain later. We'll see like how what they were like, uh, what she was like when her brother came home. Right. And later we'll get some more uh, information about Benny. And this was great. And that, yeah, what's interesting about this move is between last episode and this episode, this is not an ensemble show. We're going to dive into different parts of Dex every time to show how she interacts with the world. Not an ensemble show. And I feel like so often people think that that's what they have to do. Mm -hmm. That's not true. Mm -mm. But Mike, I have a question for you. Oh, please ask me. I got a question for you. We were told in under like exact terms last episode that Nick Miller and Dex are friends. Yes. And in this episode, they do have sex. They become friends immediately. They've got this connection that isn't super sexual, but he likes her brother. She likes that. She trusts her. And then in present day, at the very end of the episode, uh, she says, well, I'm so glad that we're friends. And then the camera cuts to Nick Miller, and he looks at her and says, yep. And then it lingers on him, and he looks away. Oh, yeah. Uh, Is Nick Miller still in love with Dex Perio? Yeah, there was hints of that in the pilot. And this is just the backstory to that. Are you bummed that we can't just have a fucking boy-girl friendship? For sure. But I've also watched TV before. And TV, for some reason, is stuck 40 years ago where men and women can never be friends. That's I, It irritates the shit out of me. Just be friends. We used to call it the Sam and Diane, but now I think we call it the Jess and Nick. Uh-huh. And yeah. now they have a Jess and Nick situation. The Jess and Nick situation. Yeah. It's what my mom believes. That anytime I'm friends with a girl, she's like, nah, one of you wants to fuck the other. I'm like, mom. Please not right in front of them. And I want to fuck this is both. All awkward. Yeah. Uh, case of the week. We had talked last week that you had hoped that the, at least the first season was mm-hmm. case of the week. We got this one. Yeah. We got uh, Jay Duplass and Shoshana. Shoshana Zosha Mamet. Um, how'd that work for you? Like, uh, yeah. Intrigue? Mystery? It was silly. It was. I, I like. I like activities my main characters have to do so I can get to know them. Mm-hmm. And if you can make it kind of bumbly and fun along the way, cool. I mean, that's basically since we first started reviewing Arrow and Shield, mm-hmm. all we've wanted, right? Yeah. Like, just have the case, 
give us a couple scenes where the characters are characters. Right. Lucifer and iZombie both did that very well. Like, we barely care about the case. It's just framework because they have to do something. And then Lucifer eventually learned it. Yeah. Like, they don't care about the case at all and started giving it, like, 11 minutes per episode. Right. Do you guys have moments of the week for Stumptown? Yeah, I think this is going to be part of the Stumptown. Stumptown knows what its moment of the week should be. Last week was the henchman talking coffee. And this is while Pastex is at a grocery store, it gets robbed. And then the robber and her talk about the punk band that's on her beanie in like really detail. Like any way they can lambast Portland, I'm enjoying. Who was it? It was a real Portland band? I've, I don't know who they are, but just how it, into it both of them were made me laugh a lot. Maybe it was the beanies. And so. That's some on-the-nose swag. My moment of the week is it's very easy to – it's hard to develop rapport on TV unless one of the people is Nick Miller, right? Mm-hmm. That's just fucking layups yeah. all day. But I think this show perfected boy-girl friendship, or really any friendship, when Nick Miller go in the past goes and gets Dex, who was on a bender, and puts her in – puts her on the couch to sleep it off, puts a blanket over her. Classic rapport move. Of course. And then as he's leaving, he says, uh, well – Call me if you need anything. And she says, get the fuck out of my house. That, that's rapport, baby. <laughs> that's friendship right there. That is how Ryan has built friendship. <laughs> Stumptown is on ABC. Your next show this week is Titans. This week's episode of the Titans takes us five years in the past where we get to see the original Titans. Titan team's first encounter with Deathstroke. He shoots Gar, which begins the Titans' lifelong quest to hunt down their greatest villain. Taste buds, I ask you this. This episode is called Aqualad. Should there be more superhero aliases that end in lad? Hell yes. Hell yes, lad. Hell yes, lad. Lad the Impaler. Lad the Impaler. It's just a like young Romanian boy. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, I am Lad the Impaler. What's going on? I, I impale. I do, especially uh, in British culture, they had there's lad culture, which is like Maxim magazines and FHM. Like it's just like douchebags. So if Aqua Lad just constantly like loved Scarface and smashed beer cans on his head, but that's oh, a- what's up, love? Let's go to Aqua. <laughs> that's a pejorative, though, right? Like if you're yeah. reading Maxim, like oh, still part of lad culture. I see, even though you're 31 years old. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. how I envision Aqua Lad. Lad culture is very like frat guy and stepdad energy rolled into one. <laughs> step lad? Yeah. Step ladder. Is it step ladder than other things? Um, it's a step ladder to the stars. That's I, how you become famous in England. I don't see how you can get that word, that like, what do you call it? Like that end of a sentence, end of a word, and not seem fucking goofy as shit. It's just on a so TV 1930s. Show. Yeah. What's next? Matter eating lad joins the Titans? Yeah, I fucking hope so. <laughs> hope so. Well, Titans is on DC Universe on Friday nights. Your next show this week is Pennyworth. On the season, and possibly series, finale of Pennyworth, while Lord Hallward stages a coup, Alfred Baza and Dave Boy help Thomas and Martha rescue the Queen from the Sykes sisters. Lord Harwood, Francis Gaunt, and the Sykes are arrested. Alfred is pardoned, but finds himself trying to stop his father from assassinating the Queen and Prime Minister. Taste buds, I ask you this. Do you want season two of Pennyworth? No. No, I mean, I just, I don't, like, taking myself out of it, the world doesn't want it, because the world no. doesn't know about the first one, so it doesn't even know to answer the question of whether it wants it or not. Let's just say, let's just say bye-bye. Bye-bye. Here's the thing, though. Epics doesn't have a lot of shows. What? They're, yeah, they don't. No. They don't have a lot they're of shows. for, and... Yeah, this is their highest profile show. I think we might be saddled with like five seasons of Pennyworth. A Pennyverse. Unless Here, Epic's the channel goes under. Here's the thing, too, and I, I know they listen, so I'm going to whisper this to you guys. If you just put it on Netflix, people can binge the whole series, and then that might make season yeah. two huge. It's worked for dozens of shows. It, like, Shit's Creek, for instance. Winona Earp. Yeah, like just put it on Netflix. I think that is the way for this show to continue, but I don't know that I want it to because it was start. It's falling into the same issue that the first few seasons of Gotham did, where they're like, "Hey, check it out! It's all these things that you know from Batman, but without Batman, and like without that, who cares?" And they're trying to be gritty and real with it. it I think that it is a of a higher quality than a lot of our shows, but. We already have not just so many comic book shows, but so much TV in general. Where is it going to find its place? Let me answer that. It won't. 
We yeah. should just all of TV. Just take a year off. Mm-hmm. Just take a year off Let of making anything up. new, and then we'll be ready. Have one of those gap years, summer in Europe, and we can just you'll watch learn as much a lot. You'll get a lot of weird sex. We just need another like full scale writer strike where mm-hmm. no one makes anything. Do we have the power to start that? I yeah. think so. Writer strike. I've just been riding around strike. town screaming that. Well, Pennyworth is on Epics on Sunday nights, but it, not for a while because it's done. <laughs> now, Fear the Walking Dead. On the season finale of Fear the Walking Dead, the crew finds out that the zombies surrounding them are the former inhabitants who Virginia killed for disobedience before Morgan's group just leads them into a river. With Virginia on her way, the group decides to not get out of there, and instead, John and June have a whole wedding. (laughs) Virginia splits everyone up and turns out Grace doesn't have radiation poisoning, she's just pregnant. Virginia then tries to kill Morgan and leaves him wounded, surrounded by walkers as he calls for help. Taze Buds ask you this, does it feel like the season of Fear the Walking Dead knew how to come to a graceful close? No, I think even they were like, oh fuck, we killed Logan the Big Bad? What do we do? Yeah, it's this season seems like they had no idea what they were doing. Like, once we got to the end of the season, like, what was any of the rest of the season. What I do like, it's the most realistic thing any of the Walking Dead shows have ever done. If you invite or don't invite a Virginia to a wedding, she will ruin it. Virginia's ruin weddings. Virginia's ruin it's weddings. It's fucking fact. It's, uh, this season felt like they had an idea for the first half, but it was it should have probably been like two episodes. And then they had an idea for the rest of the season, which was, well, Logan's cool, right? And then they killed him like five episodes before the end. And then inch set up for four episodes the next season, but then it just seems like it lost its way, and I do not understand how you fucking chuds all voted this show higher than The Walking Dead this season for show of the year in our shushies. Well, we watched, for for our main segment, when everyone had to watch it, we all watched the two good episodes of this season of Fear the Walking Dead, and everyone's like, well, that's better than the best season walk- The Walking Dead has had in, like, five years. Yeah. In our shishies sounds like we all put on our weird company pajamas <laughs> and voted. We were all in our shishies. It's part of tradition. Which yeah. have feet in them, right? Oh, yeah. Shishies sewn in, butt sewn up. Yeah, that's <laughs> absolutely. We have the, like, old hobo's pajamas. That's, that's what we got. You had to kill a hobo for a meech. That's how you get indoctrinated in the pop filter family. All right, well, that is Fear the Walking Dead, which is on Sunday nights on AMC, but it's gone now to be replaced next week by The Walking Dead. Oh, but we do have to have that six-day break before we get new zombie episodes. Yep, there's going to be a whole six days before we tune in for, what, season 11 of The Walking Dead? Christ. So that is it for that show and also our show. Thank you for tuning in. Next week, we're going to be talking about Will Raising Dion be what the gifted was not? Core 4! Core 4! Core 4! Weirdo's coming back. And can someone be a bat and a woman? At the same time? In 2019? No. Who can say? But for Ryan, I'm Mike. Mike, I'm Taylor. And for Taylor, poor Greg. And Greg, he's Batwoman. Well, spoiler. Yeah, don't. Jesus. I thought the whole season was leading up to that. That's why he hasn't been on this show for so long. Don't tell anyone. I did see that the bat signal in Batwoman was just a clear spotlight of Greg's face in the air. So (laughs) that probably ruined it first. It's just a fro with two bat ears out of it. All right. Bye. Bye.